welcome to CTR Selector podcast, Let's Talk About ESG. I'm Margarita Kirakosian, a news editor, and joining me today is Peter Michaelis, Head of Sustainable Investing at Lion Trust. Peter, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, as we are recording the podcast, it's mountain here in London. It's so hot, and it's impossible to not start the conversation with the whole Paris Agreement and what asset managers can actually do to contribute to this big push. So, in terms of land trust, what are you doing in that direction, and how far have you come at this stage? Um, well, our sustainable investment funds have. Uh, since their inception back in 2001, we've always invested in those companies which are helping to accelerate the decarbonization of our economy. Uh, we've also looked to invest in those companies that are, you know, when as users of energy, that are looking for ways to decarbonize uh, the energy that, that they do use. So we've, we've long been uh, sort of aligned with this trend. And and you're right, it is incredibly important. And the, the climate emergency is, is real. And it is um, something we have to address. And it's going to affect every area of the economy. Um, to give you an idea of the, the, the rate of change that's required, it is that every decade, so we're 2020 now, uh, every decade by 2030, we need to have halved global emissions. And then for 2030, 2040, we need to do the same again. It's, um, it's, it's a, a, a challenge the like of which we haven't faced before, uh, but it's one we, you know, we, need, we need to undertake. Um, the, the good news is that many of the solutions are evident um, and they can be achieved at uh, actually uh, you know, lower cost than continuing business as usual. Peter, well, one big thing is 1.5 degree challenge. Uh, so how do you participate in that and what do you do? So, so we're asking uh, in our Land Trust Sustainable uh, Future Funds, we're asking every company to answer three questions, every company that we invest in. Uh, and those questions are, do you envisage a uh, future where you have to operate within with zero carbon emissions? Yes or no? We hope the majority of our companies will answer yes to that. Uh, and then to say, well, by what date and what trajectory do you envisage getting there with? And, uh, and, and then we can, we can start to see whether the companies we're invested in are aligned with that rate of decarbonization that we need to see. Because you know, bluntly, those that aren't are going to be ill-prepared for uh, you know the future economic environment, and we we want to make sure that our companies are very well prepared so they can go on being uh, prosperous while delivering positive impacts to the people and the planet. Um, so that that's that's the initiative I'm I'm so most excited about uh, really that we are we are pursuing over uh, the next couple of years in the run up to the COP26 uh, gathering. In which has now been postponed, well, which is going to be in Glasgow in November 2021. Mm -hmm. So that definitely is part of the engagement practices that you have. Uh, so when it comes to climate change, what is your most su successful company engagement to date in your view and why? Mm. 
Um, so it's a very good question. We've, we've been uh, running these funds for nearly 20 years. And I think the way we have seen, you know, broadly companies improving uh, the way that they uh, manage their businesses has been the, you know, the, the biggest, biggest success. And I'll give you um, uh, an, an example, which is a company we've, we've held for many years in our portfolio. So you know, nearly the entire, uh, you know, the, the entire history of the portfolio is, and that, that's a company called Kingspan. Now Kingspan, when we first uh, invested in them, they have a, a great product. They produce thermal insulation for buildings. Um, so the product is fantastic. It lowers energy emissions from buildings. The company itself, when we first invested in it, um, it was, uh, it definitely wasn't at the leading edge in terms of um, uh, how it managed its business in terms of renewable energy or uh, energy efficiency. That has over the last 15 years has undergone a total uh, sea change and they now have this uh, planet passionate program uh, where they are looking to be 100% renewable energy powered to hit uh, zero carbon targets by 2030 uh, to encourage their suppliers to do the same it's um you know it, it's been fantastically successful now it hasn't all been it certainly hasn't been all been about our engagement, but it has been about our investment behind uh, that company and recognizing how uh, successful, uh, how that is part of a, a successful uh, business strategy. So we're, we're, we're not a business that owns, um, you know, fossil fuel companies. So we don't engage with the likes of BP and Shell. That's not, uh, that's not, what our strategy is about. We're looking to be invested in the most progressive companies and encouraging them to do better in terms of their, their own operations. Investing with an ESG lens is quite uh, a challenging task, especially when you work with data providers as they rate uh, different companies differently sometimes. And you are running a risk of having an average rating when one company has a very high S score and very low E score, then you just don't see the risks properly. So ESG rating disparity, how are you dealing with that as a fund manager? And, you know, there are going to be shortcomings of any data provider because they have a particular framework that they operate with. Uh, the most obvious uh, distinction is that they tend to concentrate on uh, operational policies and practices, whereas we have a you know, huge emphasis on, um, uh, on the product and service that a company is providing. And so they might score a company poorly in that regard, whereas we will... Uh, you know, we will have a greater weighting towards a product and product and service. Equally, um, they can look at companies, and this is, you know, in the example of financial sector, uh, you know, one area they, they look at building societies and they say that building society, because of their mutual ownership, score poorly in terms of governance. Now there we have a, a straightforward disagreement because we think actually the, the mutual model is, is actually you know, very powerful and has shown itself to be better in terms of governments. Um, other aspects that we, uh, that we sort of regard, where we, we look at in, in more detail are um, you know, the culture within a business. 
uh, so we will go and, and, and meet and talk to uh, companies to work out what's actually driving that business. And so third-party providers maybe don't have the capacity or the subtlety to be able to do that. Uh, so, you know, the, the, at the end of the day, we do our analysis to find the best stocks for our portfolios to deliver superior returns by investing in sustainable companies. So the decision and the analysis is always being made uh, by the analysts in our team. The data providers you know, help us to gather data efficiently and more effectively, but they're definitely not a one-stop shop. Mm -hmm. and, and can you give an example of a company that was rated in a certain way by an ESG provider and where you stepped in and said, no, well, we need to re re revise it, review it and do something differently. Have you had to overrule the decisions that were done by ESG uh, ratings? Well, we never, we never really have to uh, kind of overrule because they don't make the decision in, in the first place, as, I, as I've just said. But uh, we would point to, um, I don't know, you know there's, a, there's a, a company we've, in, we've invested in, uh, in about a year ago um, in the US called Trupanion. Now, Trupanion does pet insurance. Um, and, you know, which is a good thing. It's not a bad thing, but it helps people to look after their loved ones and their pets. But what we really liked about it, the thing that drove our investment in that was the culture. You know, so the way it treats its employees, the way it treats its, um, it, its clients, you know, they actually have a culture where they see it as a success when they pay out to cover a, a you know, a, a pet insurance, which is kind of very different to a lot of, um, and I say that, as one of the dogs here is making a, a little noise, so maybe it's. Um, but but so so their culture is so geared towards providing a, a you know positive outcome to um, to their clients, and that then engenders a you know a great feeling amongst the workforce, uh, and it, it it also delivers strong returns uh, for the business as well. So, you know, it's a great example of where our our detailed analysis came to a view which was not reflected in the rating from the data provider. Peter, one big controversy that happened uh, in the UK asset management space was uh, Boohoo and the whole um, modern slavery allegations. Uh, when we look at the theme of fast fashion and just generally, do you think it has uh, any space in sustainable portfolios? Very, I mean, it depends. If, if, if you fit fast fashion the way that most people interpret fast fashion, I would say no. Yeah, I, I think uh, it is short-lived uh, material and energy intensity heavy uh, and human rights low uh, as, a, as an industry generally. Um, so, so I think it's, you know, it's not a sustainable model uh, for business yet. Now, now, I think the fashion industry recognizes this to to an extent and uh you know you, you hear some of the leaders in the business talking a, you know, a lot more about uh sustainable materials um so using recycled um you know recycled plastic and uh 
fishing nets, for instance. One of the holdings that Lion Trust has is Alphabet. And I think this one is not as straightforward when it comes to product and services and their ESG impact, or at least it's not quite as clear cut as other examples you have in portfolios. So can you elaborate a little bit more on this specific one and why you think it is a compelling holding in your portfolios? Uh, yeah, you're, and you're, you're right to pick up on it because it is one that we've uh, debated at length. And in fact, we, we looked at you know, all the, the social media companies and um, you know, we did back in 2017, we still had, we had Facebook in our portfolios as well. And so we did a, a detailed uh, piece of work looking at uh, the societal risks um, which had emerged from the rise of, of social media. And you know, they are uh, pretty recent and uh, they, we, we forget that they've, they haven't always been around. It's a, it's a relatively new, uh, new feature in our, in our world. Uh, and, and we uh, sort of thought very in, in great depth about what are the risks uh, that they run as businesses and what are the negative and positive impacts that they have on society and, and the environment. And um, the result of, of that work and engagement with the companies was that we, we downgraded Facebook uh, so that it was no longer investable. So we sold that from our funds at the beginning of 2018. Um, they, we felt they just weren't managing their, uh, their risks around political interference, around the management of content and uh, the misuse of personal data. Uh, we didn't think they were managing that adequately. Um, and I think you know, events have, have borne that out uh, relatively uh, you know, over the last, last couple of years. With Google or Alphabet, um, we came to the conclusion that uh, it was still a you know, a, a positive stock, but not without issues. Um, you know, we think that the, you know, something like you know, 90, 98% of the time that people use Google, they do it for free in terms of providing access to information and, and knowledge, uh, you know, for free the world over, it, it provides a fantastic service. It does pay for that by advertising. Um, it does also have YouTube. Uh, we feel the content on YouTube is much better controlled and moderated uh, than uh, from other from other providers. But you know, you can't get away from the, from the negatives around Google, which is you know, part of its success. Is, is has led to dominance and near monopolistic positions. And it's uh, you know, history shows that it's quite rare that businesses don't end up abusing monopoly positions. But thus far our judgment is that, that Alphabet uh, is not doing so and is actually being run very responsibly. In terms of you know, environmental impacts, I have to say they are, they are real uh, leaders um, uh, you know, in terms of use of renewable energy, in terms of trying to minimize the energy use of um, uh, you know, their, their, service, uh, their servers um, uh, and the like. So you know, it, it's never, totally black and white in the analysis of sustainability of companies. Um, but, but Google has, does enough to convince us that it is uh, you know, having a positive impact 
um, and, and we think that'll lead to longer term uh, success for the business as well. Peter, thank you very much for joining us today. A lot of interest in food for thought. Uh, so yeah, a lot to get on with. Thank you very much, Margarita. <laughs>